Drinking During Business Hours is brought to you by Foley Food and Wine Society, celebrating three of life's biggest passions, world-class wines, exquisite food, and amazing experiences. To find out more, go to foleyfoodandwinesociety.com. Welcome to Drinking During Business Hours, where we have interesting conversations over a great bottle of wine. I'm Sarah J. Halstead, your host. Support the show by subscribing, following, and liking our episodes. Check out my website, Sarah J. Halstead, for the latest stand updates and all my social media links. Well, hello there. It is a beautiful day here in Los Angeles, not a cloud in the sky very, very blue skies. And we are in a dark podcast studio with no windows. There's no, there's no place I'd rather be. I'm really excited today because I have a very talented comedian, actor, podcaster, and TikTok extraordinaire. I have David C. Smalley on Drinking During Business Hours today. And uh, I'm really happy to have him here because, you know, I have reached out to uh, several luminaries whenever I have an opportunity to meet a luminary. And whenever I ask them for advice, they all say the same thing, whether it be an iconic comedy manager or comedian, they all say, find a group of comics that are in a similar playing field that have a similar acumen and ambition with whom you respect and rise up together. Have that group be your sounding board and your support system. And that is what David C. Smalley has become for me. He is in that tribe. So without further ado, hey, Hey. David C. Smalley. Hey, thank you so much for that wonderful intro. And I, that's, I, it's I'm, the truth, man. I'm honored uh, to be here and to be considered in your in your class of comedian. You, it, are, you are hilariously funny and very well accomplished. And oh, well, thank you. Thank you. And, and as are you. And, you know, um, I, I was really excited to have you uh, because we talk every day, but we don't really talk about your background, either one of our, you know, like we talk about current situations yeah, that we're, we're in. Like we talk pro- each we're other. solving, putting out exactly. fires, like, doing like escape who's rooms. this show. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Talking off the ledge, you know, um, during the pandemic and, and shows because it gets just, it's just really, really tough and competitive right now for stage time. And uh, so, yeah, I like, I don't really. a lot, doesn't it? Like in this industry, like you, 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 you're at comedy clubs with the same people over and over. You're hanging out, you're doing shows together. You may even go on the road together and you're always like thinking about some sort of either either you're trying to plan a show, book a show, get a manager, get an agent, get an audition. They come over and help you run lines or you edit podcasts together. And then one day you've known them for six years and they look over at you one day and go, oh yeah, that's my twin brother, John. And you're like, you have a you twin? Have, exactly. Like, I've known you for six like, years. I, I had no idea. You had it's like, so it's weird that we yeah. can know each other and really not know each other. Uh, yeah. Like I don't even know where you're from. <laughs> I happen to know you're from Michigan. Well, because it's right? part of my, part of your, I, I put that in my right. spiel. I, I emphasize right. that I'm from Flint. I'm really yeah. proud to be from Flint. Yeah. Um, and, and you're a great dad. I know your kid. I, I think Sweet. you're a wonderful, wonderful family man. I know your wife. Good, good, solid people you're, that you have in your, uh, in your tribe as well. Thank you. And your daughter is so talented. Um, Talissa Smalley. Mm-hmm. 
give give a shout out to give Delissa. A shout out for and her, I uh, and for I her TikTok account. for her. Yeah. T- yeah, she just gave me a TikTok <laughs> lesson. She's going to give me a gel nails lesson. <laughs> <laughs> but no, so so I know what you talk about on stage. That's how I know yeah. you. You know, and uh, but. Where are you from? Yeah, I'm from Texas. <laughs> okay. There's one line and one bit that I do, and I haven't been doing it recently, where I talk about, just very briefly, I mention offhand that I'm from Texas because I went on the road back to Texas, and then I got accosted after by this redneck, and mm. I, I mentioned the, the whole situation in, in my bit. But uh, yeah, I was born and raised in Texas, and I was there for the first... Gosh, thirty six years of oh, my life. Oh yeah, wow! I just got I just got out to L A. Uh, five years ago. Okay, so six years ago. And how long have you been doing stand up? About the same time. I, okay. I started in D C. Um, but I didn't come up on the D C. scene. So when I, when people say where did you start comedy, it's L A. Yeah. But I the first I did one show in D C. in, in D C. for uh, it was a five hundred person audience. It was sold out, and um, I was asked to host because. My my podcast was popular in the skeptic scene more so than mainstream, and so there was a skeptic conference. It was called the Reason Rally. Okay, and it's 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 this huge like anywhere from twelve to thirty thousand people, depending on what day you counted. There was like four days where a lot of secular or non-religious folks would show up to D.C. to say, "Hey, we are a voting block that matters." Especially to like the the, the right wing conservatives saying don't be so con- you know don't be so religious with your with your politics because you're alienating a lot of people who who aren't in that specific religious category, and so they were having this conference and as part of the conference they were like hey we're doing a comedy show and there were all these somewhat popular comedians coming to perform at this conference and they said we know you have a big podcast audience why don't you host the comedy show and I'd always wanted to do stand up in fact I did stand up in Dallas. Like 12 years before this, I did it one time, mm. completely bombed. Mm-hmm. I was supposed to do five minutes. I did 90 seconds. I mm-hmm. got the hell off stage. It was Com- awful. Common, common situation. Uh, and yeah. um, I, I wrote one joke and thought I would vamp the rest of the way. Oh. I got through that one joke in 12 <laughs> seconds. It got a laugh. Then I was like, uh, I should have wrote more stuff. Yeah. And I just panicked. Time and goes so really I, slowly yeah, when you're up there and yeah, not prepared. I tried, I, tried to, I tried to wing myself through it and it did not work out very well. So. And so I, I, I called it. And so uh, Michael Blackson was actually in the crowd and talked to me after. And he was such a sweetheart about it. He's like, he just he, happened to be in the he, crowd. No, he was performing later that night, uh. but he was he was in the room watching, and he was like, "You bailed on that," and I was like, "Yeah." He's like, "You need to write," and I was like, "I know." And that was all we said to each other. He, he has no memory of it, I assure you. Oh, or so, you hope not, or maybe that would be a bonding thing if you were to reach out to him and say, yeah. "Hey, by the way, yeah, he might be a good." But guest. then I didn't do it for twelve years. I was just mm, like, "Okay, that's not mm. for me," and then. Really? So and you didn't my, feel compelled to give it another no, go at that I point? I hated it. I hated wow. everything about that. Yeah. And my background was actually, I was a musician. So I was a lead singer. I was a drummer. Okay. I was on stage for years with a microphone so singing. Many, so many comics are musicians. Yeah. So interesting. And then I started this sort of speaking tour where I would get asked to come out to these conferences and give like these 45 minute talks on respectfully dialoguing with family members about religion or about politics and how not to ruin relationships relationships even though your family member disagrees with you and things Mm, like that mm. and so uh, I had a lot of time on stage and I always wrote jokes into my presentations so for about 10 years or so 
I was touring the country doing 45 minutes, but I had like a PowerPoint presentation, which are kind of notes on stage. And I always made it funny and I would write jokes into it. And so I got really comfortable with a microphone, really comfortable on stage. So in DC, when they were like, hey, we want you to come out and host this comedy show, I was like, this is the perfect opportunity because I can walk out there and actually write material tell jokes and if I start bombing I can easily just stop early and go are you guys ready for the actual comedians yeah and I can bring out the first comic and if I'm doing well I'll just ride it out because I have a popular podcast and a lot of the people who are there love me anyway so let's just try it out and I crushed my first show wow. in front of 500 people and it was so because great because then I ended you up had doing the like, presence yeah. you had the experience yeah, absolutely you had the rhythm you had your voice I had my the crowd already on my side because a lot mm. of them knew who I was it was your room and bought tickets because they wanted to be in the same room so it really makes a difference when it it's your room it made a huge difference and, and, and I ended I up doing like 7 minutes instead of 5 and then, I, okay. and then instead there's a very important distinction instead of saying are you ready for your first comedian I said are you ready for your next comedian mm. And that, mm. I made myself say that. Mm. And from that day on, I was a comedian. That was and 2000, said, uh, 2012. And you said, let's let's do this. Yeah. Let's give this a go. A couple of months later, I moved to LA. Okay. Uh, I did a, I did a, uh, a podcast launch party for, in Hollywood since I moved from Texas. And we did it at the comedy store. And we sold out in four hours. Mm. And the booker for the comedy store walked up to me and went, no offense, do you curse on this podcast? Yeah, that's fine. You do? Yeah. Because I'm quoting her. She walks up and she goes, no offense, but who the fuck are you? And we all <laughs> laughed. And I was like, literally no one. Like, no one in comedy, I promise you. And she's like, how did you do And I was like, I have a podcast. She goes, you want to do another one next month? I said, sure. So we booked another one. I sold that one out in 24 hours. Nice. And then she goes, do you want to do this monthly? And I ended up having a monthly show at the comedy store um, for three years. And that's where I started kind of polishing my set yeah. and and getting my getting my chops on stage yeah we're better to do it than no the no the, the, comedy the store. most I mean, iconic club yeah. in the world i was incredibly fortunate that i had the podcast audience to show up or i don't think i would have gotten the opportunity to to try stand up as comfortably as i did uh you had me on that show at the comedy store and it was um uh you, they gave you saturday nights mm -hmm. if i'm not mistaken yeah. It was like the prime time slot in it was the, the late show. Room. It was the late show. Oh, but on a Saturday? It was a 10 o'clock. You kind of want the late show on a Saturday night at yeah. the comedy store. Yeah. And I know it was it was booked. You had me a couple of times, if mm -hmm. I'm not mistaken. Yeah. Um, and booked out. And no offense, but when I first met you, I kind of said the same thing. Who the fuck is this? <laughs> I didn't understand. Like, what? Because you, you kind of yeah. came out of the blue. You came mm -hmm. out from nowhere. And... Um, I found you on Twitter, if I'm not mistaken, because at the time I had a podcast with Daryl Hammond. It was political and yeah. we needed political comics on the show. Mm. So if I'm not mistaken, that's how I reached out to you. And Probably that's so. how we became. And, and you said yes. And you were on my podcast, um, The Summit at the Improv back in the day. Yeah. And you crushed did we you. have you on twice? You have him on three times. Oh, they, okay. they brought me. Okay. I was there one were, time when you weren't yes, there, actually. Yes, yes. But yeah, Daryl sat right next to me, and I will never forget this moment. I went home and tweeted about it immediately. I read the tweet. But I was like, uh, just kind of riffing with a, an audience member during the show. Like they said something, because it was like a QA and a situation, and I said something, and it got this huge pop of laughter, and Daryl Hammond leans over and goes, you're funny, pal. <laughs> 
why you sound like him. And I was just like, I could die right now. Yeah. A very happy man. You know, yeah. The legend himself just called me Because he's no funny. bullshit. He, yeah. yeah what, what he says, he means. That was so that, that's a me. huge compliment. So it was going a great back, show. It was fun. That was fun. Um, more your style, though. I'm not a political comic. I was kind of set to be the the Pollyanna of the group, mm. and um, that w- that was the you know the original plan. And I find it to be so much more pressure to be a topical comic in general, just because in this day and age, it's dated so quickly. Mm-hmm. Like something catastrophic would happen with Trump and then we would be talking about something else the following day because it would be yeah. another catastrophe. People, <laughs> a lot of people would say that when, when they found out you were that type of comic, they would go, oh, I bet you love Trump. He's got tons of material. And it was the exact opposite. It was, it was a fire hose effect. It was yeah. so much that, that you would write a joke about something ridiculous he said and Literally, by the weekend, there would be 11 more things that you just couldn't... Yeah, you're just like... They're like, that's old news. Yeah, yeah. He's not grabbing them by that anymore. Now he's, you know, telling a 10-year-old girl that he's going to marry her. And it's like, what? Like, So you can't hone that material. Right. And you almost need... That was... It was great for the late-night talk show hosts Mm -hmm. with a team of writers. Sure. That can hone it for you. But to be just independent stand-up and... Yeah, that yeah. that was challenging because we're all trying to get an hour ready for Netflix, right? right. That's what that's, every comic ultimately goal. is working towards. That's what we all and you want. can't. There's no way you could do an hour on yeah. Donald Trump right now. I'd like, settle for HBO. I don't know. I'm not picky. I'd probably at this let point. Showtime talk me into something. And, and you know, I tell you, I I'm all into like maybe putting my next special on my website just so I get all the proceeds. Yeah, I've heard people doing um, that. The people are doing that. So uh, I um, want to go back to podcasting though, okay. because this is something, I mean, you are a tremendous, tremendous, po- tremendously successful podcaster and that this is how it started. This is why you have your following and your fan base. Now it started, if I'm not mistaken, it was called Dogma Debate. Yeah. And it actually started as a blog. I'll take you all the way really? back. Really? Let's beginning. go all the way back. I want to so, hear it. So I was, I grew up Christian mm-hmm. and uh, I was baptized. And the moment I was baptized, it, it was the moment I really took everything seriously. Like, as, and I, I wrote this in my book in 2010, it's called Baptized Atheist. The moment my, my breathing paused and I hit the water, I thought, I, it was like time stopped for me. Like, I remember in this moment, everything slowed down Mm. and I just remember going wait 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 why does punishing the innocent pardon the guilty Mm. why would we have hurt Jesus to to save people who are losers Mm -hmm. and why would his dad or him in godly form make that the plan why is bloodshed necessary to forgive humans can forgive each other all the time and more importantly, why haven't I thought about this before right now where I'm being dunked in water? And then I came up out of the water with all these doubts. And I was like, mm. oh my gosh, like I felt so, I felt afraid. I felt like I wasn't good enough to be called Christian and that I had so much work to do. How and old were you at this point? 15, ask? Okay. 15 or 16. Okay. And I remember shortly after that, the uh, I'm standing there still dripping wet. Wow. It was a Baptist church, so they did it all ceremonial, so we all did it. Like, if you go to Church of Christ and you say, you know what, I believe Jesus Christ died for my sins, they'll walk you to the baptistry in that moment and dunk you because the Church of Christ belief is if you die on the way there, you're still going to hell. 
just Woo! confessing it isn't good enough. You have wow. to be you have to be dunked. But Baptists think that's ceremonial, so they'll let you know forty people do it and then warm up the bash baptistry for one day and dunk forty people in the same water. Yeah, it's a little unsanitary. <laughs> a little bit. Yeah, <laughs> that's yeah. like uh, the Catholics when they drink out of the the yeah. chalice. The same. Yeah, Ooh, yeah they but, wipe it. I don't care if well, you wipe like, it. Well, it's like Zach Galifianakis <laughs> said he always wanted to when he would go to get baptized. He wanted to fill his pockets full of Alka Seltzer, <laughs> and then as the water started to boil, he would just you know roll his eyes into his head and freak out. <laughs> uh, uh, but anyway, uh, so so the, the pastor and I write this in the book. I say he must have seen the doubt on my face because he, he leaned down. He didn't even look at me. He just leaned down and he just said this to me. And this changed everything for me. He just goes, you know, son, you can't just say you believe. You have to know it to be true in your heart. Mm. And I was in that moment. I was, like, I was like, I don't know it to be true. I don't know anything about the Bible. I was just culturally like pressured to be Christian because I was born in Texas and my family is Christian and we have Bibles on the table. I don't, I don't know what it means. What scary words to say to a kid. Yeah, I know. And to this day, I've had pastors that who come on my show and talk to me about this stuff. They're like, that guy screwed you up, yeah, man. Yeah. <laughs> but I was like, I felt pressured. It's really? And then shortly after that, I was, I was sent soul winning. I don't know if you're familiar with this no, process. No. It's door knocking, trying to convert people Ooh, to Jesus. Oh man! And oh, so you I'm, can sell anything. So I'm not <laughs> right. So I'm knocking on uh, doors, saying, "I'd like to talk to you about our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ." And people are like, "Get the hell out of here!" and slamming the door in my face. And this one lady, this one lady, she was an elderly black woman. She she said, "I knocked on the door." She opened. I said, "I'd like to talk to you about our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ." And she goes, "Honey." you need Jesus Ooh. and slam the door in my face. And I'm a kid, you know, but I'm sitting there. I wasn't offended. I wasn't angry. That happened to me 30 times a day. But I do remember thinking, what if she has the right version of Jesus on the other side of that door? And I'm out here door knocking, trying to pull people away. It's a profound statement. And I don't even know what I'm doing. I don't know what it means to be Christian. I've been given the jersey and pushed out on the field. I do not only not know the plays, I don't know what sport we're playing. Like, I have no clue what's mm. going on. So mm. I was like, I felt uninformed. I felt ignorant. I felt embarrassed. And I went home and I started reading the Bible, like cover to cover. I was like, wow. I'm not, I'm not going to go out there knocking on doors, trying to bring people into something I don't understand. What if I'm converting them into something awful? Now, where, this where, was the beginning of the blog, believe it or not. And so, then where did your parents lie in all this? Were they, could you talk to them about it? And not what really. Were their my beliefs? mom, my mom was, well, she's, she's still with us, but she, she, at, when I was a kid, she was Christian, but, uh, it was always just, uh, fear God. God's watching you all the time. Be good Ooh. because somebody's watching you. And then she would mm. also say to me at the same time, she would go, don't stop yourself from doing something bad because you might get caught. Stop yourself because it's the right thing to do to mm. not do bad things. Right. So she instilled this sort of secular value in me, but always mm -hmm. told me God's going to send you to hell if you're a bad boy. So it was kind of both. Hmm. She gave me good reasoning to be a good person, but then also I had this threat of an overlord watching me 24-7. I see. That's that's a tough position, that yeah. just a position, because we do be I do believe that the Ten Commandments are good to follow. You know, don't I murder don't. anybody. Well, there's only a couple that are about behavior. The vast majority uh, are about worshiping do not, God. Okay, so okay, so do not steal. Do not re refresh my memory. What so, they are? I do think four steal. of them. I think four of them are about behavior, and the rest are about worship. So it's oh, it, it's maybe it's mostly I've, like don't murder, don't steal, don't right. covet your neighbor's wife. Okay, and I've, one other thing, and the rest are just like not having any other gods before me and I'm oh, a jealous oh, god. Oh, I guess and, I need to revisit the Ten yeah, Commandments. Nah, I'm just like overall, I just like don't murder. Basically, 
basically don't be a dick. Yeah, but we you had know, those. That's what it should say. We on had a rock. those long before. We had long. <laughs> we, we had we had people not being dicks before the Bible existed. So. You know what I mean? And before the Torah existed, which is where the Bible got its Ten Commandments. So you don't believe that 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 maybe the Bible is good for kids to learn just to have that uh, moral compass of being a good person? Uh, no. Okay, no. so and let's talk about that. Yeah, as a matter of fact, so just real quick, if I'll finish this other piece. So, mm-hmm. so that was kind of the the catalyst. And so I started reading the Bible. I read the Bible cover to cover. It took me about three years around 18 or 19. I was like, I don't, I read literally every word of the Bible. And I was like, I don't think I believe any of this. Wow. And I think so, around the age of 19, cause I started taking notes. I was, was like, was it new Testament, old Testament? I started, I started from the beginning and, and read all the way through. I started the new Testament and, okay. and, and I, mean, so I started, even, started in the old Testament and read all the way. through. So the even the old Testament, not really anything well, that you, what would happen is like right in the beginning, like, um, Genesis one one the, the earth was void there was nothing God breathed over the face of the earth and he spoke things into existence I was like alright cool alright cool we get to day three and four by the way we already have plants on the earth we already have all these things we get to day three and four I think it's day four where he creates the sun and the moon but day one it would say and then in e- the evening and then the, the morning were the first day and the evening and the morning were the second day and the evening and the morning were the third day. And then it says he created the sun and the moon. And I went at 16, I was like, hmm. how did we have evenings and mornings without a sun and a moon? Mm. And so I just write that little note down and then I get a little further down More and there's an entirely different ge- creation story in Genesis two than is in Genesis one. And it's a different order. The same way with the Ten Commandments. Everyone thinks there's one set. Mm-hmm. There are two different sets of Ten Commandments. I and never read the Bible, so I, oh, I believe I would, everything you're saying. We could have Absolutely. a whole thing of Bible study. Oh, and it would be fascinating. It, I'm so sure. I just got a, through the first few books, and I had hundreds of pages of like highlighting. I was like a crazy person going, how do I make this make sense with this? There were so many contradictions. And I talked with theology professors. I talked with my at this young age, you're talk, already talking. You're, oh, yeah. you're trying. You really I, wanted answers. I, I was looking a very for curious individual. Every Christian I knew. There were these two brothers I knew um, that were super religious. They were Pentecostal, and I would I worked with them at Discount Tire. It's America's Tire here in L.A. In Texas, it's Discount Tire. It's the same company. And I, they always had their Bibles. They read their Bibles on lunch break. They didn't. They wouldn't tell a joke because it's considered a lie. Uh, oh, they wouldn't man. enjoy Disney or movies because um, it's too worldly. Like they were super, super religious. So when I would have these concerns, I'm like, I would sit down with them at lunch and I'd be like, all right, so this verse says that I and my father are one, saying that Jesus and God are the same person. But over here in Mark 10, a man approaches Jesus and says, calls him good teacher. And Jesus corrects him and says, do not call me good. No one is good except God alone. So that's him separating himself from God, saying Mm. God is good and I'm not. Mm -hmm. But over here he says, I and my father are one. So how is Jesus the same as God or is Jesus the son of God? And and they flipped through their Bible and completely proved to me beyond a shadow of a doubt that that Jesus is the son of God and is Jesus is not God. So I go back to my Baptist pastor Hmm. with this knowledge, thinking I'm going to impress him. He was horrified. He looked at me like I was this heretic who needed to be burned at the stake. Oh, I bet. He's like, I don't know what kind of heresy you've been learning, young man, but let me show you right now Jesus is Lord. And he flipped through other Bible verses oh, proving no. to me that Jesus is God. And I, all I took away from that, <laughs> all I took away from that is that this Bible 
is left up to your interpretation. It, it really completely. is. Completely. 100%. Yeah. Yeah. So, I, so throughout that process, I started a blog. The okay. blog, I called it Dogma Debate. Dogma Debate. And I you're a young to, man at this point. I was this is, early 20s. I, okay. This, by now the time I started the blog, I was probably 26 Okay. Okay. And that's, so I was in college. I was, yeah. I was still, I started college late, but I was in college. And I Where'd was, you go to school? Uh, it was online. I did Kaplan, Kaplan mm-hmm. University for psychology. And psychology? And a minor in world religions. Wow. Yeah. Okay. And so I wanted to know why people behave. The emphasis was applied behavioral analysis. So I wanted to understand how people apply their 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 general thoughts, whether it's uh, uh, on the spectrum or some sort of disorder or just general psychology or perhaps criminology the way what what makes a criminal different from me like when i think hey i would like a lot of money but i'm not going to go steal it and someone else goes i would like a lot of money i'm going to take yours why are we so different Mm -hmm. why is that person willing to violate you and i'm not Mm -hmm. so i got that's what started the whole interest and so uh, a criminology course led me into psychology because I was going to go for criminal law originally. Okay, and I, shifted I can to, see that. To, to psychology. Definitely can play one on TV, I'll tell you that. You <laughs> got the look. To. That's I your look. To. That's your brand. They'd probably make me shave. Cosmetically, you got the look down. But uh, I, 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 that that led me into my papers I would write for school on world religions and psychology. I started connecting dots as to why my mom was such a believer, but I was starting to doubt my faith. So I started dogmadebate.com. And what I would do is I would post an article. I would post a blog that would be like, I don't think Jesus is, here's the confusion or a contradiction. Is Jesus the son of God or is Jesus God incarnate? And I would put both Bible verses and say, this doesn't make sense. It's a contradiction. And hundreds of people would flock to that blog and Mm, have these debates. What's so compelling. And here's the thing whenever they would get nasty or they would get really shitty to one another, rather than deleting and blocking and banning, I would reply to the person who got shitty, regardless of which side they were on. And I would say, do you think this approach is the best way to get this person to listen to your point? Yeah. And they would almost always reply with, I'm sorry, you're right. Let me try again. And then they would respond with something nice. Ah, and so that was the real hook. It wasn't the people better. Today. Yeah. It was just, it was just, let's not Making be it harmonious. To each other. Exactly. Yeah. And let's so talk and got, not yell. It got so popular that I could not keep track. I was getting 55,000 hits a day. Woo. And the comments were so far, I couldn't keep up with the comments. And I thought, it'd be so much easier if I recorded my responses on audio. Mm-hmm. So and I was doing your person- more personality into it. And that that's how Dogma Debate went from a blog to a podcast. And okay. now it's called the David C. Smalley podcast. I got rid of the dogma piece because now I just, sometimes I interview comedians. Sometimes we talk with actors. Sometimes yeah. I deal with crystal healing. I talk to psychics. I talk you to people to broaden, who- broaden it. Yeah, I do. We have anti-vax people. Any mm-hmm. Anybody who believes- Speaking of dogma. Yeah. <laughs> That's yeah. That's kind of the. I even I even challenged my own dogma one time mm. of eating meat. Like, ah. why, how can I compartmentalize and say I know this is bad for this, or I know this hurts animals, but I'm gonna do it anyway. Why do I do that? And I ended up becoming vegan. So you're still vegan. I am vegan. Oh, okay, yeah. okay. Yeah, I think yeah we had lunch at, at a diner once. Yeah. And uh, yeah, you ordered what you could off that menu. Yeah, there are a, a couple of exceptions I'll kind of make like now and then if I'm on the road doing stand up, it's really hard. So I'll do, I'll always do veggie stuff, but I may get like mayo on a burger and there's eggs in the mayo. So I guess that technically makes me vegetarian. I think you took, yeah, it's, it's I, I, still, I think you took the beef out of your patty. We were at Roosevelt Diner. Yeah. <laughs> what about wine? What do you think about wine? I, I, I love wine. I have, uh, 
Should, should uh, we have a little sip of what's yeah, in what front is, of us? This is, a this is a, our sponsored wine today mm. from Foley Family Wines. Compliments mm. of Foley. And this is their Banshee. Uh, Sonoma County. We're drinking Cab. You just kind of struck me as a Cab guy. Yeah, cab thanks. Sauvignon. Uh, 2019 vintage. And uh, this was, uh, it's called Banshee. Mm. Cute God, little. So good. Oh, it's great. The, the fruit is sourced from the very, very, um, uh, the best vineyards throughout Sonoma County. And Banshee came from the owner had a beagle dog and he howled like a Banshee. So it's named mm, after his dog. Wow. Kind of cute. Um, but this, yeah, this this wine is no joke. Mm-hmm. Cheers. Thanks very much Cheers. for being on Drinking During Business Definitely. Hours. Here we go. Mm, let's do it. Mm. Beautiful blackberry fruit. Bold tannins. Mm. Long finish. That is good. Now you um, like to drink wine with your wife, Brandy. Yeah, it's funny that you called her my wife. Um, oh, <laughs> I didn't correct you in the beginning. <laughs> I thought you guys were. I, I, sorry, I thought no, you guys were married. No, it's fine. It's fine. No, no, no. So that's a funny story. We 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 were married. We divorced in 2011. Oh, and then got back together and oh. then never remarried. Okay. But okay. Yeah, so well, sometimes, so I I say uh, my wife because, yeah. God, it's been 20 years or 21 years, but. Uh, it depends. When people know me personally, I'll go, ah, she's not really my wife, but it's fine. You can call her my wife. But uh, oh, and there are people lovely. there are people listening going, Wife, I've known him for this long and I've never heard him say wife. So oh. it's it's fine. It doesn't, it doesn't Well matter. how does she prefer to be like when you introduce her to people, do you just say this is Brandy? It's funny. It depends. <laughs> it depends on we we joke about it a lot. It depends on who it is, it depends on the situation. One time I met someone and she happened to be an attractive female. But that wasn't the reason I did it. It was. Oh, it had something to do. Oh boy! It had, yeah, yeah. It had something to do with. Um, Coincidentally, it was someone. It was someone who knew. It was someone who knew Talissa first. Okay. And then met me, and I went. I introduced Brandy as Talissa's mom. Oh. And so later, Brandy was like Talissa's mom, huh? Yeah. And, but she was laughing about it. It wasn't a big deal. But I was like, oh no, she met Talissa. Oh, she's also hot. You know what? You're right. I should have said. My partner? I don't know what you want me to say, but... Um, and how does Talissa feel about it? So Tali- you have a daughter together. Yeah, That's yeah. the amazing Talissa yeah. Smalley. Yeah. Uh, follow her on TikTok. She's amazing. It's Talissa underscore Smalley. T-A-L-I-S-S-A underscore Smalley. Very talented, bright star. Yeah. Uh, but how does she, you know, that you don't refer to one another as husband and wife? Does she even... She doesn't care. She's we, no, okay. she doesn't care. It, she's... Great kid. She, she grew up with our crazy life and she she gets it so i'm not worried about her at all so you and i you've been doing stand-up a little longer than me so you you had your epiphany in 2012 i didn't really start until the fall of (sighs) 2015 hold on i lied to you earlier okay the first reason rally was 2012 i didn't do stand-up until 2016 oh okay so we're about the same yeah Okay. Yeah, yeah. I didn't okay. start until 2016. I thought we were the same. I, yeah, there were two reason rallies, and I didn't do stand up until the second one. So I okay. apologize. Yeah, I was oh, wrong. Okay. I was wrong okay. Um, but like me, you have really entrenched yourself. You know, for only being here for the amount of time you have, like me. I mean, it's. I don't. You know, you have to. You have to really commit to stand up comedy if you want to make a mark in this mm. town because it's so oversaturated with comics <clears throat> there are so 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 many comedians and you know so you just, so t- tell us a little bit about 
your process and how you started and how you got to be at this level in such a short amount of time? Thank you. What a great question. Um, you know the song, What's Love Got to Do With It? Yeah. Right? Well, what's funny got to do with it? Mm. To be honest with you. Mm. I mean, there are a lot of people I know who are really funny yeah. and will never make it in stand-up. Mm. And there are people that we both know of who are very successful in stand-up and are not that damn funny. Yeah. It happens. So that means that it's not necessarily tied to funny. You got to have some element of that on some level. When I say people have made it who aren't that damn funny, they're funny. They're decently yeah. funny, but they are more successful than their funny deserves. Mm. Right? I think everyone can think of somebody yeah. that they put there. Right. We've talked that means about them. Yeah. But, and, and maybe that means that maybe that means we're haters, and maybe that means that that comedy is subjective. Uh, but I, I think it's really clear that there's so much business acumen that's necessary. Yeah. You've got to promote yourself. You've got to put yourself out there. Mm -hmm. And you know what? I'm just going to dish some secrets here for people who are even interested in that in that line of work. You got to hang out. You got to hang out. You got to network. You got to come to the clubs. You got to be seen by the bookers. And, and hang out because, because so much has gone on in the last few years that the clubs want to know that you're not some sort of liability. Mm-hmm. Right? Are they've, you the, they've had are you, liabilities. Are you the guy that's, that's gonna sure. are you the guy that's gonna get some kind of me too allegation in two years? Are you like how do you act? Do you stand up there and try to, you know, grab a waitress's ass or talk down to a door guy? Are you gonna get drunk and start a fight? Are you gonna taser yourself on stage? That happened I, I had a, a a young comic what? tasered himself on stage about three months ago. And I'm I'm not gonna say the name of the club. But I we'll mean, talk off air. yeah, I yeah, know. but that's, I mean, yeah, you got, you're making a great point. Wow. You, you can't be a liability and you have to be nice to be around. Reliable. Listen, so I did not realize this until I was probably in my early thirties. But when you sit down and this is for all the people that are between 16 to 35, who haven't figured this out yet. When you go to a job interview, it is less about. You, what you know and your experience and way more about you them being able to spend eight hours a day with you mm. they they'll they would rather pick someone that's chill and friendly and willing to learn and willing to admit that they're wrong mm -hmm. and willing to grow and make mistakes mm -hmm. than someone who is going to pretend to be a know-it-all i know that i'm good at that i'm the best at this these the people who taught us how to do interviews in high school who would go, oh, that's your chance to brag on yourself. Uh, brag on paper. Put your accomplishments on your resume, but don't be a dick in the interview. Yeah, Just be, right. be like, oh, yeah, be humble, be yes. kind, and smile, and you right. will nail that job interview. Because I don't want to spend eight hours a day with a know-it-all prick, right? Right. I would rather be with, I would rather hire someone or have someone on my team that, that uh, can learn from their mistakes, that can be friendly, and that I can spend eight hours a day with. That's why these clubs want you to hang out. It's yeah. like it's like they're on some fight club shit. That you walk up and you hi, I'm here, and they're like okay, and then they walk away, and then they don't respond to your emails, and you it's, don't know. It's did that they equivalent of right. get out of here, you're not good enough, and you go okay, and you show up again, and you, yeah. you go to that same club three days a week, yeah. and you just wave at the booker and you say hi, and you hang out in the back mm -hmm. of the room, and you support the other comedians, and you mm -hmm. clap and you laugh at the jokes, and then you leave and you go home, and you come back two days later, and you pay for parking, and you walk, and you and you that's the grind, and then mm. one day when you send your avails. 
they'll respond and go, are you available this Saturday? Mm. And that's where it starts. You can't just send your avails in and go, I'm funny. I deserve. I know so many comedians that are so hateful saying that guy doesn't deserve to be passed. This guy doesn't deserve to be. But you're doing this from home. You're sitting at home yeah. scrolling through Instagram exactly. getting angry. Go sit Comparing, at the Laugh Factory. Go hang out at the judging, comedy store. Yes. Go hang out at the improv. Hating. Where, yeah. Where are right, you? Right. Where are you? What are you doing with your life? Exactly. And also, those of us on the grind um, make our own shows. Yeah. We create our own promoted shows for our own performances. Because if you won't book me, I'll book me. So if I can grind out and promise yeah. to put butts in seats, then I at least get that 10 or 15 or 20 minutes of stage time, whatever I decide to give myself that, that day. And so... Stephen Fury just got passed at the comedy store a couple of years ago. When I met him, he was a door guy taking out the trash. He got passed. Now his name's on the building. He's funny. Hilarious. Yeah. I was hanging out with him and I was talking to him about some of the stresses that I was dealing with with a promoted show. And I was like, man, it, mm. it's like one of the most stressful things I do because I want to put butts in seats. Yeah. And he's like, stressful. and he goes, but you know what? He goes, you're doing it. Yeah. He goes, so many people in this town want to bitch about not getting stage time. He said, do you think comedy clubs are going to come find you in your apartment? in Studio City <laughs> and say please perform stand up for us yeah. he's like you're out he's like 15 years from now he said we might both fail at this and not be famous he goes that's fine he goes but we both knew that we did everything we could half of these guys are going to just bitch that the world didn't like them when they didn't actually try and that that rejuvenated that's, me to get out there and, and do it beautiful so that's yeah. advice from a luminary that you received and, absolutely you know um, and, and we take those moments and we just kind of let that bake for a, for a minute and mm -hmm. um, and then it will hit me like I'll, I'll try to write down the conversation with whomever you know because mm -hmm. we meet mm -hmm. we meet the most iconic some of the most iconic comedians in the green room and that was really what I missed the most during the pandemic when we would be lucky enough to get on a show uh, there was no hanging out in the green room yeah. and we weren't able to to you know really you know create relationships and cultivate relationships with other comics my first TV um, show was during the pandemic it was the same thing I was looking forward to meeting some of these celebrities and, yeah. and kind of networking and it was mask up get back to your room and stay there we'll bring yeah. you food slide oh, into the door like a oh, hamster yeah. like you just couldn't have contact <laughs> with people just, and so I, oh. I missed out on some really cool networking opportunities um, before we get to the acting portion uh, I just want to um, go back about because you are a very very prolific producer prolific and it is so difficult to produce. <clears throat> I know because I produce and you talk me off the cliff yeah. <clears throat> several times a month because it's so stressful. <laughs> it is stressful. Uh, but I, I want to know, do you think those moments of standing on people's doorsteps and knocking on the door saying, do you accept Jesus Christ as your Lord, Savior or whatever the blurb was, <clears throat> do you think that has anything to do with your tenacity today, with with your courage with your just ability to, to have thick skin and take rejection. And I wonder because that's a good point. I, I don't think so only because I only did that for about a week. Oh, okay. Before I went, well, still, I got to go back and read this stuff. I can't imagine doing it for five minutes. I think, <laughs> I think, I think honestly what probably led to it more is me approaching pastors and preachers and saying, mm. I disagree with this. Ah. And there's something in the Bible that they go, this is the good book. And I will go, 
but this verse says that anyone who is gay should be stoned to death and that they should fear the Lord and their blood shall be upon their heads. That doesn't sound good to me. Yeah. But you worship the God is good. And so that took a lot of courage to say that to the pastor of my church. And it got me a lot of private meetings and don't say this out loud and mm. come in here. If you have a question, you should come. And then I would say, you know, in first in Timothy two eleven and 12, it says it is shameful for women to speak in church. Mm-hmm. And if they have questions, they should go home and ask their husbands. <laughs> that doesn't sound very egalitarian <laughs> or like it's pursuing equality. What's going on here? And this is New Testament. This is the writings of Paul. He writes to the letter in the letter of Corinth to the church. And he also writes to Timothy. He writes all of these. It's all written by Paul. And he's very chauvinistic, extremely chauvinistic mm, in all, most mm. of his letters. And so saying that to a preacher, that New Testament writer Paul was a chauvinist pig, <laughs> that took the courage. And I think um, kind of pushing back on on these authoritarian um, ideas that you're just going to keep telling me it's the good book. And if you tell me it's good long enough, I'll just shut up and yeah, believe that it's good. Exactly. Rather than me going, but we know better than to act this way because we love each other as people, but the book tells me to do something pretty awful to this person, and we don't do these things to each other. Why? And that's when they go, well, because Jesus died for your sins, and because, and then we end up in that. So so having the courage to start that, I think, has a lot to do with, with me um, telling comics who I book on my show. <laughs> it's not a bringer. Yeah. But you need to do some, okay? <laughs> Every show. So for you know, if you if you don't know a bringer show for the for the listeners, that's basically, you know, when you get booked at a comedy club, there's an there's you should bring you know there's an expect expectancy to at least fill some seats. Mm-hmm. And if you don't fill some seats, you're not a draw. Right. So we call them bringers, where you would bring friends. And well, let me, if you're not famous, at least if, if you have any friends, they're nicknamed bringers. Well, so the, an official bringer is they do a head count at the door. That's the difference. I mean, I do expect people to promote and bring people if they can. Even the headliners but a, a should true, promote. But you a know? true bringer, an actual bringer show, is like your amount, the amount of people you bring directly correlates to your stage time. Okay. So, and they'll sit there at the door and go, oh, you got seven people, you get seven minutes. You only brought one person, we'll give you the last two minutes of the show when every when the headliner's finished. Like, you get disrespected because you didn't bring enough people. And they literally count at the door and they'll be like, okay. who are you here to see? Who are you here to see? Who are you here to see? And, yeah. and I, yeah, I you know, and you know what? I think every comic should do it. I oh, think yeah. you, because no one should have to cut, no one should have the ability to cut corners pay your dues right? Absolutely. And, and paying your dues means being a bringer for a short while, not forever, but for a short while you have to be s- a bringer. I want to say something about that. I, I agree that no one should cut corners, but then again, I kind of cut a corner because I came in with a podcast audience, right? Mm. I jumped ahead of a lot of people who were here being, doing open but mics by for getting five into years comedy by, store by, and by putting butts in seats at the comedy store. So, so like a on, famous on actor hand, would cut corners as well. I mean, I got bumped by uh, Perez Hilton one night. Yeah, he's not even he's a, not comic. a comic. Yeah, uh, Dave Chappelle bumped me twice well, before. Well, well and, uh, he's and Dave I, Chappelle. <laughs> I know. When they said that, I was like, "They're like, we're so sorry." I was like, "This could be a great story for a podcast someday." Exactly, Are you kidding me? Exactly. Like, I know my place. I'm going to stay yeah. in my lane. Uh, as a matter of fact, I saw Dave the other day. He fist bumped me. He goes, hey. Yeah, you and told me about that. It was so cool. You're and made. Then, and You're by, made. And by the way, Kevin Hart and Chris Rock were at the comedy store the other night. I just have to tell this from my own ego. 
they were they they crushed. I mean, Kevin Hart went up in the main room, absolutely crushed. I love and, watching Kevin Hart. And then he brought Chris Rock up. Oh, I've Chris, never seen Chris Rock. Let me just tell you right now. On stage. Now, his <laughs> new his new set. If you th- people were disappointed by Tambourine. There were some people who were disappointed. Oh, I by tambourine. loved Tambourine. I thought it was I thought it was pretty good. Ooh. But let me just tell you now. I, I saw it like him 10 times. I saw him work through about 30 minutes of the new hour he's working on and that 30 minutes alone destroys Tambourine. Wow. This guy is so damn funny. And there's rumors that they have writers, whatever. If you're that damn rich, why not have writers and pay them to help yeah, help you punch yeah. up jokes? But it doesn't matter. Nobody has that delivery. Nobody. I mean, he is so damn funny. And if you could think anybody right now who could follow Kevin Hart, Chris Rock is the one who not only followed him, but crushed that room. Wow, I would love to see. Where was he? Comedy Store, main room. Oh, Comedy Store. Wednesday night, okay. last Wednesday. Oh, man. And so I'm at the very back of the room. Pat, I mean, it's standing room only. So they both come walking out with their entire entourage. There's probably seven or eight bodyguards or whatever. They come walking out. They turn the corner. Kevin walks right by me. And as he's walking by me, he looks at me and he like squints his eyes. He like points like he knew me from something, but he couldn't remember. And I said, hey, Kev. And I fist bump him. And he goes, you. And I said, I I leaned down and I went, I brought you up on stage the other night. And he goes, oh, that's right, David. Oh, and I went, yeah, because I was hosting. Nice. I was hosting, and I, I, you know, and so he wa- he reaches out and shakes my hand. He goes, "How you been, man?" And I was like, "I'm good. So good Wh- to see you." Where again. was he that show? The whole entourage. That was at. Uh, it was Ha Ha. Oh, was, Ha Ha. He okay. was. A, they called it a surprise drop in. Yeah, but I I knew he was coming. Well, he does that little triangle up in the valley. Yep. He does Ha Ha Comedy Chateau. Yeah, they say, they hate that I say Chateau. Yeah. I, it's my accent. I'm not calling you a Chateau. Okay, it's my Midwestern accent. Chateau. Chateau. Yeah. Um, and uh, um, yeah, he does. And flappers, he likes to do the little. Oh, he's done the flappers. Little, he, too. he likes to do the little flappers. circle. That's cool. Uh, the only thing I don't. Um, so my my experience with him recently was kind of bad, but it wasn't him. He just wanted the green room to himself. Mm, yeah. So all of us comics didn't really have anywhere what are to flappers hang out. Flappers or comedy? Comedy, show yeah. Comedy well, chateau. he's got like seven or eight people in his entourage and that yeah, that, he that brings comedy a team. that comedy chateau green room is pretty small it is uh but that, also if you could imagine space. you could imagine i mean i guess being around i don't know mm-hmm. maybe he's maybe I'm, he gets like, maybe i'm hoping gets, it wasn't him i'm hoping somebody else wasn't. made that call because it because i'll tell you it, it, when he came to haha there's a green room back there he'd even go in it he sat in the back of the room well, you were with his wife. That's right, because I was okay. Now it all you were my sounding board for that. I was yeah. kind of upset because yeah. I, I, you know, had new material and I wanted to ha- be alone <laughs> or like you know a quiet place in the green room. And yeah. so uh, I, I text you. You're like, really? I just met him five minutes ago and he was awesome. He, yeah, he was fantastic. <laughs> so, and not only so that, I, I, I felt weird because you know, as a host, when anytime you host, you're supposed to go ask the other comics like, how do you want me to bring you up? Like, what credits yeah. do you want me to use? And I was like, do I ask Kevin? heart like what credits or should i just you know pick his bit you know jumanji or his biggest movies or whatever <laughs> and i'm like a ride along i was like i don't know i was like do i ask him or do i not i was like well, well he might have something new he wants me to promote he might appreciate me asking like if i was in his position i would want to be asked in case i had something specific or what if he was in a lawsuit with ride along or in a lawsuit with jumanji and didn't want to be associated in some way so i was like out of respect i'm going to go ask him so i go to the back of the room and i was like hey man uh I said, this may be a stupid question, but how do you want me to bring you up? Any Love specific it. credits? I think that was stand-up that you asked. He yeah. just goes, ah, uh, now, man, just uh, Kevin Hart. 
And I, and I just went, I went, yep. Yeah, I, uh, you I should have known. Good Kevin Hart. I was like, that I was, was like, good. I was like, yeah, yeah, Kevin Hart. You know what? That makes sense. And then he just laughed. And I was like, all right. Oh, well, but, that's what I love about hosting. When you host, yeah. you meet everyone and you have yeah. to have FaceTime with them because you, yeah. and you have to, I mean, you know, depending on if they shake hands or not. That's how I met Daryl Hammond. I was hosting. Wow. Um, that's how I met Alonzo well, Bowden. How, and that's, type, how, you know? that's how I met a lot of my, the celebrity friends that I have now yeah. is not only my podcast where I would bring them on as guests, mm -hmm. but as um, uh, at the comedy store, they're just hanging out and they would finish yeah. a big set in the main room. And then I would be walking around the comedy store while a comic was on stage and I'd find Jeff Ross mm. and I'd go, Hey man, I got a show up here. You want to come do 10 minutes? And he'd go, sure. Awesome. And he would just walk up and do it. And every time yeah. he sees me, he talks to me. Yeah. And you know, he, friendly. And, and, and I, so, I bet he, you know, even Jeff Ross, everybody needs the time, you know, he yeah. probably appreciated well, it. Well, he, he did it for fun because he was actually working on roasting Bruce Willis oh, at the time. Oh, okay. And so he wanted to Baby. practice. So he, yeah. he, he goes, he goes, can I roast you first? I'm like being asked by the roast master general if he can roast you. I'm like, are you kidding what an me? Honor. And so I, I get up, I bring him up on stage, and he hands me a mic, uh, or I hand I hand him the mic, and he goes, "No, no, grab that other one." You know, there's two mics in the belly room. Have you seen that? That yeah, other one yes. down the thing. Yeah. So we're both standing there holding mics, and he's like, "All right," he's like, "I'm going to start with this guy," and he looks at me and he goes, "You look like Bruce Willis if he failed every stunt he ever tried." <laughs> And I love that. And once everybody started to die down, he goes, you look like Bruce Willis if he drowned. <laughs> I was dying. He told me I dress like I work in a, a convenience store. Um, he said a bunch of stuff. And then I told him he looked like my dad. And that got a laugh. And then we together started roasting members of the crowd. And uh, wow. one of the guys he brought up was like this light-skinned black guy, kind of like similar to Drake-esque but everything was out of proportion you know? oh shit and so and so he was he wanted to be roasted he was asking to be roasted so he came up he was really skinny he was weird looking but he had like Drake features and uh, Jeff was crushing he was hitting everything and this guy was dying laughing and then Jeff goes you got anything and I was like yeah you look like Drake if God had no plan Oh, <laughs> and it got a huge laugh, and Jeff even laughed at it. And I was like, "All right, I made Jeff God's Ross laugh. I'm, I'm good." Daryl Hammond told me I was a funny you, guy. You kind of have to know that, it, man. But you kind of have to know that song. To yeah, get the joke. Yeah, but, yeah, you know, yeah. That, it got so, a huge laugh. So yeah, you, it and it was like such a hip joke. Yeah, you know? it was okay. hot at the time yeah, too. Really, so really. it all worked. Oh, but. that's one of my favorite songs yeah. ever. Yeah, I know. Oh me too. And here I am, non-believer. Like God's plan. I don't even believe it. Okay, quick question because I want to ask about your acting career sure but just going back to mama real quick okay how does she feel about everything how did like did, did that eventually turn that's you know where she was kind of hanging that over you a little bit with that the dogma mm -hmm. so for a while she was really ashamed that i was publicly not mm. a christian uh, i was doing there was a radio show in dallas uh there was a christian radio show and they loved having me on because 
we, we were very friendly to each other and we mm-hmm. would talk about the Bible. We would talk about contradictions. We would take callers and anytime they had me on, the phones would it's light good up. good radio. Yeah, it's, it's good radio. Yeah. Not, not saying it's me. I'm saying yeah. the topic itself was just good radio. Mm-hmm. So a bunch of people would call in. Some would hate on this guy. How dare you allow David Smalley to come into your studio? And he would go, do you think the guy walked in here with horns and a tail? Like he's a nice guy. He's a family man. And there's this Christian radio host <laughs> defending my character to people. Yeah. And meanwhile, I'm doing the same thing going, I love talking to you. The guy had me on five straight weeks. Wow. We were doing shows together. And my mom said something that really hurt my feelings one day. She goes, here I am on the radio and I'm, I was the editor of a name. national magazine. I'm in college. I'm uh, hosting my own podcast. I'm writing a blog. I just published a book. So ambitious. And my mom goes, I just wish you wouldn't use your last name. Ooh. And I was like, why mom? I'm not running a crack house. Like, and she's wow. like, well, I have to go to work and people at work listen to that show. I'm like, mm. yeah, I disagree with the belief, That's but it's tough. not, but That's the way tough. that I do it is not disrespectful. And I'm answering questions from callers and she just didn't want me to use my last name. And, and I told her not too long ago that that was the most uh, uh, hurtful thing she's ever said to me. Mm. And she apologized to me. She said she actually is proud of me. She told me this at Christmas this past year. Oh, She said she's proud nice. of me. She's proud of the work I've done. Uh, she comes to my comedy shows anytime I do comedy shows in the Dallas-Fort Worth area. And um, so she's, she's, she's now actually been on my podcast as my guest. Uh, to talk politics and immigration. She won't do religion. Okay, because, because she knows you're going to go head to head on yeah, that. Yeah, she's afraid yeah. it'll start a fight. But, right, um, smart. But yeah, we have a great relationship. That's she's about wonderful. To, she's about to have her 70th birthday in March. Oh, that's so. wonderful. And she beat breast cancer recently. Oh, wow. So, so yeah, yeah, I have no doubt that she's an amazing woman. Yeah, she's pretty, she's pretty badass. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So you have something really exciting happening right now. Yeah, acting wise, you booked a really chunky, meaty role. I did. It's a it's a pretty big role in a brand new movie. I it's so new that I they haven't even I don't have the contract, and I don't have an NDA yet. So I I, <laughs> so, I this has been six years in the making. So can we talk about it? I don't know how much <laughs> I don't know how much to say. Huh? Um, I I feel like. If they had given me an NDA, I kind of know what would be in it, so I'm not going to yeah, say like the title it's not of your the first movie. Rodeo with, yeah, right. Yeah. But I, I, so I'll be, I'll act as though I have an NDA because I feel like I want to be respectful to the project. I respect um, that. It's a, uh, I'll say it's about, um, it's a thriller uh, that has to do with um, being in a cult type situation. But imagine a world where. Uh, the leader of a cult can make these a prom- make these promises and actually fulfill them. Mm. So he makes you a promise that he can cure you and he cures you of something that's wrong with you and he really does it. How would that change the dynamic of belief and followers of a cult? And and I the role I play is not the the cult leader, but the cult leader's right-hand man mm. who is like a little bit of an enforcer of going mm. out and getting things done. But also the writer and director of this film is not a comedy writer. So he okay. brought me in specifically to sort of improv comedy moments and okay. be a little bit of comic relief. Oh, you'll do so, that. And I already have, we've, we've improv during rehearsal and then he's added some of the things I've said into the script. So, uh, I'm 
super happy to be a part of this project. And oh, I, I, I can't wait so until there's a title and it's done. Um, we're filming for five weeks uh, from March to April uh, in Colorado Springs. And, oh, that's um, going to be a nice time away from yeah. LA. Yeah, Colorado I'm trying to Springs figure out how to do my own podcast during that time. I don't know if I'm going to... You'll have the time. I don't know if I'm going to have to record for my... You know, from your trailer, from my, they're, they're, shot they're, trailer? they're renting uh, Airbnbs. I'm like, oh, okay. I kind of wanted nice. to be in a trailer. Yeah, trailers <laughs> are like, say, that's I'll that, be in yeah, my trailer, oh, and I'll be it. like, I'll be in my apartment. Like, I can't, you know, I'll be in my Airbnb <laughs> with my space. grapes and my yeah. rider. No green M and M's, fuckers. <laughs> <laughs> you gonna become that guy? <laughs> you know, there's a reason people do that. Oh yeah, it's a David Lee Roth. No, there's a reason why. Like I used to think that was such a dumb thing when they would make some kind of weird, like separate the skin. To make sure you read it. It's to make sure you read yeah. it because sometimes there's allergies on there. Oh, well. Like there's dairy um, allergy or peanut allergy and, you know. Uh, well, that makes sense. And but they, I they thought... would walk into the room and when they saw the Skittles separated, they knew that you had actually paid attention. Well, I, th okay. I had heard that it was uh, David Lee Roth because of uh, all the, uh, the mechanics that went into him, you know, his performances. He used to fly through the air and he, you know, if something goes wrong, he dies. Mm. So yeah. uh, so his writer was like, uh, you know, uh, hundreds of pages. And then wow. at the very, very end, he said an absolutely no green M&Ms. May have been brown M&Ms. And so if he saw that there was brown M&Ms, they didn't read the writer and his life was in, in jeopardy. Wow. That was so, but but that yeah. makes sense about, about you know, yeah, I've the heard, allergies I forgot, as well. I forgot the rock but bands, but there was some band, I think it was sense. Van Halen or something, that, that, that maybe it was similar. Yeah, well, David, the, Lee, David Roth. Lee Roth was in Van Halen. Yeah, 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 right, right. Maybe that's, I just heard about it as, as the whole band having allergies or peanuts. Or oh, okay, so, we're, we're, so it yeah, was Van who, Halen. Who okay, yeah, we're going to have to yeah, find out. Yeah, now we need to Google this immediately. Um, and then uh, you were on Nickelodeon, mm -hmm. and I, tell us about that. You you were a series regular, weren't you? Or, no, no, um, I, no, I was, uh, was a co-star. Oh, okay, okay. Um, but uh, they did give the character a name, mm -hmm. and so uh, my agents told me that, that they really feel like he's going to be com coming back next season. So they're it, it would have been guy number one if they didn't plan on bringing him back, but because they gave him a name, Reggie. Then, okay. uh, then they're like, he's probably coming back. You know, it's interesting because this character that you're describing for the film, real. I wonder if it if they did a background on you a little bit, if they went through your social media, saw who you were. The, the director the, was a listener you know, of my podcast. Okay, because the, it's, the director it's so fitting yeah. with with your background and what you do, and you're going to be able to bring that to the uh -huh. character. Yeah, it's that's interesting. You know, all I get is bad guy stuff. Well, and, and that's fine because I'm a, I'm a criminal on Nickelodeon, and, and I'm a I'm a bad guy. And I say this on stage: those kids were for real scared. Like you look at my face, and I'm around yeah. a bunch of ten and twelve year olds. Like the script didn't call for me to run at them full speed, but I did, and it got a great reaction out of the kid because he had to hurry up and slam the door, and it was this great moment. But I was also a criminal in ring security commercials where I'm breaking into houses. Oh my gosh! And that's and great. then this one, this this new role, this this movie role is um, definitely a criminal. Uh, yeah. I'm, I'm I'm basically running this this criminal empire of you know kidnapping people and and running this cult and being completely this just complete sociopath who just doesn't care at all oh, about people. I can't. And wait. it's it's funny that this this. 
I want to be a likable sociopath. That's well, the, kind of the, have the character. To be. Yeah, kind yeah, of the because character. you still want to be winning. I think a great yeah. actor can do that. They have that ability. I think um, a great example is uh, the the act are the actors on Succession. Mm, I haven't seen it. They're all total shitheads, but they have developed those characters where you want them to win. Mm. And I think a great actor has that ability. The shittier they get, because you you know it's they, also about the writing though. Are you familiar with Save the Cat? No. So this, uh, there's a book called Save the Cat that every writer or screenplay writer should definitely read. Mm-hmm. And the whole basis is your, your protagonist has to save the cat in the beginning of the movie mm. so that we fall in love with him. Yeah. And if he doesn't save the cat, we don't give a shit about his struggles. Yeah. So you, you got to make your person do something uh, good or enlightening or connecting with the audience in some way so that 20 minutes later when they're being a shithead you're kind of on their side yeah and that's you kind of exactly want them what, to win yes. the battle okay you know? save the cat i'm yeah, gonna have to get a copy that's Definitely. cool that's it's, exactly what i was trying to say yeah. it, it helps with acting and i have never booked a comedy ever so you know what that means i'm not funny <laughs> clearly yeah <laughs> no you know what they say what my agents and managers have both told me is that if you can do comedy they know you can do anything mm. so a lot of people who are looking for dramatic roles seek out comedians because on stage we have to do the full spectrum every set yeah in seven minutes and we start we have to be a piece dramatically and you have to start turn, dramatically and the then timing we, the timing has to be there there's yes. a pop there's an act out there's a look. we have to play mul- multiple characters on mm-hmm. stage mm-hmm. we have conversations with other people without saying he said she said and then he said and then she said and then he said we just go into it yeah like i do this bit where i go and i I, you've you've done it too but if we're telling stories i'm gonna go oh so i was at this bar and i saw this thing happen and this guy goes blah and i'm like what that and then he says and i'm going i'm like and he says and i'm like but on stage i go this guy pulls this girl's hair he's like i say he's like once i go uh bitches am i right bro no, sir. <laughs> I didn't have to say, and the then turn. I said, right? Yeah. You just snap into a different character. Yeah. You go, no, sir. I, I don't hit women. This is just a tank top. <laughs> I didn't mean to wear your uniform. Right? And so I now they know that's we me talking instead many. of him. So they, they can see us do that mm-hmm. on stage in a matter of seconds. They're like, oh, man, if I need you to be in a dramatic role for 15 minutes or 20 minutes of a film, you can do that. So um, that's why they, they dramatic directors seek you out. One of my favorite dramatic actors is Jim Gaffigan. Mm-hmm. He's so lovely, yep. and and a, and uh, he played a serial killer in in uh, a film a couple years ago, and he was so riveting. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think Sarah Silverman is a is oh, a very so vulnerable, bad. you yeah. know, um, wonderful she's wonderful actor. Yeah. yeah. So so and and you, David C. Smalley, I can't mm. wait to see on the screen because I have no doubt that you're going to be you. wonderful in this. You have a monthly show at Hollywood Improv. If mm-hmm. you want to talk about that, absolutely. It's a it's a it's my live DCS podcast, the David C. Smalley podcast, live at the Hollywood Improv. And what we do is we bring up. Well, we do a little bit. I'm doing a, a kind of a crazy song of the week or a country song of the week. Um, you're going to be on my next one. Yeah. This I'll go ahead and I'll go ahead and give you a little. Spoiler. Spoiler, uh, 
the song we're doing is called We the People by Kid Rock. Okay, I it's love an, Kid Rock. <laughs> well, it's an ant listen to this. It's an anti-vaccine anthem. Oh shit. Where he's like, fuck Fauci, fuck the CDC, fuck the FDA. Yes. And that's it's that. And oh. it's so funny. So we're gonna do that and have fun at Kid Rock's expense. Wonderful. And and then we're gonna bring up a series of comedians. Uh, to do two minutes each mm -hmm. in front of a panel of established professional comedians. Mm -hmm. So it's February 8th at 9.45 p.m. Yep. In the uh, lab. Doors are at 9.15. Oh, doors are at 9.15. Yep. And it's great. It's a fun, fun show. You pack the house. It is. Uh, it has a lot of, uh, you know, just, just watch. It, it has a lot of high stakes because of these young comics that are really trying to make an impression and, and throwing out their best stuff. And yeah. uh, you had some strong comics last yeah. show. And they, yeah, and they get instant feedback from the professionals on stage. Like, just we all want to be in front of these pro comics. We all That's all we ever wanted. Yeah. And now that I have this opportunity to give back to those, those open micers, I'm going, look, I've got a night at the improv. If I was going to be booking a night at the improv, I would have to have comics that could do 10, 15 minutes, that have a draw, that have thousands of Instagram followers. I wouldn't be booking a lot of open micers. Mm -hmm. So instead, I'm going, everybody come and do two minutes. I'll give you a line of professionals to perform for. And not only do they see you, but they take a minute right there while you're on stage when you finish to say, here's what I liked about your set. Here's what I didn't like about your set. Here's what you could do better. And I'll tell you, after we did the first one, a series of comics came up to me and they were like, I learned so much from those pros just saying this. Like, I'm going to change so much about what I did. Wonderful. So it wasn't humiliating. Mm -hmm. We don't mock them. We supportive. don't make fun of them. It's yeah. supportive and positive and wonderful. And I'm I'm so happy to have the opportunity. And I'm, I'm so honored that you're willing to do it. It's going to be oh, a lot of fun. Oh, yeah. We're going to have a blast. It's going to be so um, Yeah, I loved the last show. Um, and we kind of play off each other's shows because our, our shows are usually are I, either you're before me or I'm after you, but they're they're usually like the the following day. Yep. Um, yeah, we're and, close together. and you've been in my show, yeah. uh, Bottle Shock. Yeah. And that's a fun room. I it's a fun I, room I enjoy it. it yeah. Is. And um I, and I'm just so grateful for you being on my show. Well, thank you. And I'm so grateful for all the support. Uh, you're just really you make the comedy world better. Oh, you're so, so sweet. It's, it's just the truth. You man. do too. I'm so glad we're we connected. I'm so glad we connected. <laughs> Me too. And uh, it's, so it's good to have someone to bounce uh, these things off of and work with. And yes. Anytime you, we get frustrated trust, in any situation, yeah. I'll be like, I'm just like, I need to call Venting, Sarah. Absolutely. Like, do you know this guy? Did he say this to you? Yeah. Or is this a, you know, we're we able to grow together all the so. time. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, you're pretty much David C. Smalley on all your socials, right? That's it's it. just David C. Smalley. TikTok. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think YouTube, David C. Smalley videos or whatever, but don't worry about YouTube. I don't care about it. Uh, TikTok, uh, Facebook, uh, Twitter, and Instagram. Okay, TikTok, excellent. Twitter, all David so, C. Smalley. Yeah. And check it out. Check out David C. Smalley. Thank you so much for being here on Drinking During Business Hours. Thanks for having me. I'll see you soon. All right. <laughs>